Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. What's up, everybody? I'm so pumped for you guys to listen to this episode We've got Stefan from Invest Real. Now, first, I have to apologize. I tried saying his last name here, and I kept getting it wrong. I'm so sorry, Stefan. So please forgive me. He runs a company called Invest Real, and it's a really interesting play. Now, as you, a lot of you know, building a marketplace can take some time, but anybody can build a marketplace. But what they have done is they've built a marketplace that's based on top of a lot of data, a lot of census information, a lot of consumer sentiment, some AI, some machine learning, and it's specifically to connect developers with investors focused on opportunity zone investments. It doesn't get any much more specific than that. It's very timely. There's you know a tight time window here for these big opportunities that exist. So if you're not familiar with opportunity zones and opportunity zone funds, and then you wanna know how you can take advantage of them, you know, you do have to be an accredited investor to leverage InvestReal, but what they're providing investors is quite remarkable. And I think as you hear this episode, you'll really hear the value that Stefan is aiming to deliver, not just on the financial side, but also on the social good side. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Well, hey, Stefan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, setting aside to to talk with me about Opportunity Zones, InvestReal, and all that you have going on. Because, you know, there's everyone's totally clear about investor Opportunity Zones. I mean, we, we all know all the details and everyone knows <laughs> all about it. So, <laughs> Absolutely. It's like all the regs are out. Everybody knows all the details on the regulations. You go in an event, you know, you have like specialists. Everybody's a specialist because there's nothing to be a specialist on. <laughs> it's so crazy. This, this year, everyone's a specialist in Opportunity Zones. And early last year, whenever it was, it was crypto and tokenization. Yeah. Before we go too far in here, I think we're going to have a good time. Let's get started the right way. Please let everyone know who you are and what you do. No, absolutely. So, um, Stefan Chimenez, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I built multiple businesses in my life. One of the things I've been involved uh, very early on, which a lot of people would know, is Airbnb. So, I was a person in charge of the international expansion of Airbnb to Latin America and a person in charge of like basically growing the business out there. So a lot of traveling in my time over there. Imagine like a big a big region, very fun experience. As a serial entrepreneur, I had to keep on building businesses. So I built after one of the largest online ad networks in Brazil. And during the time, I was actually investing in real estate with my own money. But being a tech guy like my, you know, I, I realized that during the time I was investing, that real estate is the largest asset class in the world, but one of the least sophisticated in terms of utilizing technology as an investment thesis. So with that idea in my mind, I actually decided to build a like an investment platform with myself and a few friends with our money, where we would basically either like invest in real estate, almost like a, as a quant fund, where we were like literally buying properties across the country using like algorithms. So let's just call it AI with all the, like, let's just call it machine learning, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, and we're going to get into that. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> 
But then opportunity zones came to play. And the interesting thing about our technology is we were actually tracking assets and neighborhoods. And when we're talking about neighborhoods, we were tracking them on a metro area zip code and census track level. And the reason we were doing that is we needed to understand the impact that the neighborhoods we were investing, we're going to ultimately, how what would be the impact of the neighborhood in our assets? So we were looking at things as how, you know, like, what is the quality of life of people live in the area? Like, is the quality of life accelerating? Like, like meaning, is it, it like, do we see the quality of life improving? What are, What is the risk of buying properties in those areas? So we had all this technology ready. And when Opportunity Zones came to play, we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, we've got all this technology that, that's based on the census track level and Opportunity Zones are census tracks. And through our system, you know, anybody can just click and make click through clicks away and figure out where the opportunity, which Opportunity Zones they want to be in. And and also, uh, I built multiple marketplaces in my life. Airbnb, the one before, I had built a marketplace before and the one after. So I was like, you know, when we saw the law and the way it worked, uh, we realized that there's going to be a lot of direct investment into real estate, meaning an investor has capital gains and he will actually have to invest directly into a real estate asset. Or on the other hand, you, you have a lot of capital chasing deals, but there's a big misinformation, mismatch of information in the market, meaning there's a big opportunity to build up a marketplace connecting investors and developers in the opportunity zone space. So therefore, we decided to create InvestRio, leveraging or like technology that we had before to connect investors and developers in the opportunity zone space and using the data to allow investors and developers to understand if like those investments actually make sense or not. So a month ago, we created InvestRio as this opportunity zone marketplace. And now we're here. It's a small feat. Fantastic timing. <laughs> I'll tell you, no, that's amazing, you know, because I mean, obviously you were working on something that was going to carry a lot of value. And I love when I hear stories of, hey, we built this thing because we were trying to do this and no one else was doing it. So we just, we just built this thing. And it wasn't like, how do I sell software to investors? It was, okay, well, we need, we want to accomplish this. So let's build the tool. And then you had the the fortune of uh, Opportunity Zones kind of uh, screaming at you saying, hey, your product fits what, it's like the perfect timing. I mean, because- yeah. How long did Absolutely. it take you to develop the tool? So, well, as you know, technology, it's its not ready yet and it will never be. So we've been working on it like over three years, multiple right. aspects of the business. You know, the first part we started was really understanding properties. So we were actually tracking properties on a cap rate basis, like all automatically. So any property would like profit on the market. We would analyze what would be the projected cap rate through that. We would just decide and buy a property or not. And then so that was the first piece of our technology. And then, as I mentioned before, we had to analyze, you know, we first look at it as like cap rate is very important. And we actually saw that um, it's a good way of measuring real estate. Then we realized, okay, the income of an asset is only piece of the story. We actually got to look at the risk of the neighborhood. So that's the second technology that we built after. So it's like almost like two phases. The one is looking individual assets. The second phase is looking the impact of neighborhoods and the assets. Hmm. Got it. I mean, and, and you must have, you know, not just the neighborhoods, but I mean, if you're doing, you're factoring cap rate, like, you know, you're factoring in maintenance costs, if there's building management, you know, capital investments for improvements. I mean, those, those are big things. And especially that spans, you know, if you're looking at a fourplex versus a hundred unit, you know, there's obviously economies of scale, but there's also bigger, you know, complications with stuff like that. So how many different points of data are you pulling in to make this con- those calculations? Well, 
in the technology we were using, we had to focus. So we were focusing on, you know, like we were focusing on, on residential real estate, multiple data sources. Exactly. So we were looking into what is the rental rate? What is the management cost? What is, you know, like all those kind of things. So it was a big system, but now we, on the opportunity zone space through our marketplace approach, we're mostly focusing more on the individual assets because like building a software to measure all the opportunities inside opportunity zones, it's just going to be a tremendous amount of work looking at like hotels and then multifamily and then logistics centers and trailer parks and all those things. So right now we're really focusing on like really trying to understand instead of looking at the individual asset, we're really trying to understand the impact that the neighborhoods will have on the opportunity zone space and through and, and really looking through the lens of the people that live in there, you know, like looking through the lens of do we see movement? Do we see shift? Do we see growth on the market? Because the difference from what we were doing before, we were buying properties on the mar- on market. This is like opportunity zones as ground of development or redevelopment. So it's a completely yeah. different business, right? So right now we're really trying to focus on that part of it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm certain that there's probably plenty of building owners, you know, who if their buildings are sitting in opportunity zones, they may have owned them for some time. Absolutely. They might not have been doing anything with it. Who knows if they're even winning on the depreciation values, you know, and they don't even know they're sitting in an opportunity opportunity zone. There is a lot of that. There are a lot of developers that come to us and say, oh my gosh, I was going to raise money for my development project. And I had no idea it was an opportunity zone. You know, like those are actually the best deals. Like those are the deals where the developer figured out like the math works without the opportunity zone. And actually mm-hmm. that's, that's how the industry should work. Like, the, like nobody should invest in an opportunity zone project because it's in an opportunity zone. People should invest in project because it makes financial sense from the impact that it will have on the returns of the investor and the impact it will have on the society. Let's not yeah. forget about like the objective of the opportunity zones is actually to create social good, right? It's also a, a big part of the program. But first, you got to look at the returns of the project impact. And then if everything is good, like the benefits of the opportunity zone, that's just the icing on the cake. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk real briefly here. Opportunity zone, opportunity zone funds. Can you give me an overview? What is an opportunity zone and then opportunity zone fund? So absolutely. So opportunity zone is something that was created uh, at the end of 2017 by the Affordable Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And basically in the law, there are a few pages, I, I don't know, like 10 pages and they're saying about like, like opportunity zones. And basically opportunity zones, it's something that is a federal law that allowed states to elect census, low income census tracts to be part of a program called the, the opportunity zone program, where basically anybody that has capital gains has realized capital gains, can reinvest those gains into those low-income census tract areas that were deemed opportunity zones and receive tax benefits through that. So the first benefit is, let's say I've got $10 million of capital gains. I realize, so I, I sell my Airbnb stock, like Uber or whatever it is. I have $10 million of capital gains. So let's just say, instead of paying my taxes right now, I'll be deferring my tax payment all the way to December 2026. That's the first benefit. So you get a tax deferral. The second benefit is you get an increase on your basis. So from your original investment, if you you invest this year, you get a 15% increase in your basis. And the third benefit, which I believe in, I think the majority of the industry believes is the best one is if you hold the asset, if you hold your interest in the opportunity zone for 10 years, you're exempt from paying capital gains on that given and 
on that given company. So it's that like is insane because how much money, how much money across the nation do you know of that's been raised for these opportunity zone funds? Well, like there are a lot of numbers out there. Uh, it's hard to grasp how many people are like, like Steve Munchen, um, like he says that he believes a hundred billion dollars will be invested in on it. I believe he's lowballing the number. I thought it was a trillion. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Just, exactly. There's six, just, like I'm the numbers are like 10 X on it. Just 10 X it. You know, I got a 10 X button on my desk here. Let's throw a number out. Let's put 10 X that. That's like, if you look at the numbers is we're talking about like, there's some studies saying there's $6 trillion of unrealized capital gains in the U.S., Six trillion dollars. There's in the US only from individuals like just people like you and me and all the billionaires out there. There's roughly eight hundred billion dollars of realized capital gains, realized capital gains per year. And you're not even taking into consideration that like Apple can sell bonds, take the capital gains from selling your bonds and build a data center inside an opportunity zone and still be a part of the program. So that that is brilliant. Exactly. So brilliant. So, you know, like, so look into that amount. Of, yeah. Like, well, they, they should do it. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really a big part of it. Like it's, and what, by the way, the program is not only tape, it's not really only to real estate. It actually works for companies as well. Right. So, so you startups. can buy a business in an opportunity zone, right? Exactly. Exactly. You can build a business inside an opportunity zone. So let's just say, and there's still like this, like we're still waiting for the second part of the regulations to come out and try to identify where does the income recognition comes for businesses? Because like there's a law in there saying like you got to have 50% of your income inside of the opportunity zone. Right. But right. you know, like we've been, at, you know, like I was just in two events with the person in charge of the regulations on the IRS, like Steve Kolonsky, and he was like, we don't want, we understand that the businesses need to sell to the world. You know, like they understand that it's not going to be, you know, like a, a pizza uh, parlors. Like they understand it has to be a business because those are the businesses that generate a lot of jobs, yeah. right? Like, so the ultimate objective of the law is actually to, uh, and I think this is one of the coolest things about it is like literally taking money from people that don't pay taxes because they're not selling uh, their assets because they just don't want to, because they don't want to pay taxes and say, Hey, by the way, sell your asset, take that asset and invest in a low income area where you're going to, you know, like, and, and as you and I, we all know real estate development is a major economic driver of job creation and, right. you know, income and wealth creation. That's right. like, that's what happened when on the, in the crash in 29, you know, like Rockefeller's like, Hey, like, People need jobs. I'm going to create a Rockefeller Center and create thousands of jobs through that. So that's yeah. basically the objective of the law. And I think it's a really great incentive. And, and the beauty of it, it's not it's not really bureaucratic. You just literally type a box in your tax return saying, I reinvested my capital gains into an opportunity zone project. That's it. It's self-certified. So you don't, have to, you don't have to go through an intermediary and do a 1031? No, you can do everything. You can do directly. You can build a partnership be yourself and your spouse. Realize, take your capital gains and invest directly into an opportunity zone project. The only thing you need to do is like check a box in your tax returns that you invest in. Of course, I'm just getting like the big picture. There are some details in there. Like you have- wheels turning here and I'm like, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> maybe I've overcomplicated this. We should probably put it at this point in the show that none of this is tax or legal advice. Or exactly. Advice. Please go exactly. ahead and consult your trusted uh, neighborhood professional for that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We got all kinds of attorneys in our, you know, a Rolodex. 
We got like from the most expensive attorney that you want to a cheap, high quality attorney. So if anybody wants referrals, you can come to us. You know, we got, we got a lot of referrals. We're not making any money out of it. It's just because as in a marketplace, like we, we got those connections. Exactly. No taxes. Like I can say a lot of things are wrong, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I like to do it. I I like to give advice, look like I'm knowing what I'm doing. And then I just tell someone, Hey, is a disclaimer? I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. Exactly. I just stayed at the holiday in last night. So, okay. So, so one of the things that I think is interesting about the opportunity zones, and you brought this up earlier, and maybe this is something that, you know, gives you guys like makes invest real a little bit more of a, um, a valuable product is a lot of these opportunity zones was based on dated census data. So it wasn't like they took 2016 information and designated these zones. They were working with data that was a few years older. And, you know, when I looked at opportunity zones in, in my area, first off, I couldn't believe there was any in my town yeah. because, you know, we don't live... I mean, there's, there are no bad neighborhoods in this town. I mean, some people who think there's bad neighborhoods in this town, but they are good neighborhoods. They are better than anything I ever grew up in, for sure. So, you know, I look at them like, okay, so that's real. Like that, that makes the opportunity that much greater, like that much, you know, elevated. So you know, I'm curious, you know, with some of the data that you guys are, you know, being able to put together and visualize how much more of a leg up is invest real giving investors if they weren't using a tool like that? Well, absolutely. So, you know, like we, we got to divide the spectrum of people investing in opportunity zones into completely different spectrums, right? You've got like, first of all, rural and urban, right? Like you can build farms and opportunity zones. You know, there's like this guy we met, he's like, a, he wants to do a pistachio farming opportunity zone in California. You know? So, uh, so like you've got those kind Smart. of projects. Pistachios are gaining in popularity. Exactly. With millennials and, you know, all that stuff. And it's a long-term crop. I had no idea. I talked with the guy, I had no idea. It takes a long time to build up pistachios. And so like, it. exactly. So it's like 10 years holding period. So it kind of matches all the process with the law. So, you know, you've got those kind of things. And on the other hand, you've got like urban, you know, a lot of people, I'm just going to use New York, which is a very well known neighborhood. Like, like if you go like to Brooklyn and Williamsburg and Dumbo, it like a lot of those areas were deemed opportunity zones. And the reason is it's like 2000, they actually use 2010 census data. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the thing is the way the law worked is the states had to elect the census tracts, but they had like a very short amount of time to elect a bunch of census tracts. And, and they had the challenge of figuring out, first of all, I got to elect the census tract that first will actually bring dollars in. I just can't pick the worst of the worst. It won't be developed because otherwise the program is not going to work. You know, like they want dollars to go into it. So they had to select areas that actually make, will have some interest from the investor perspective. So that's, that's the first thing. And so they had, they had all data. So we look at our platform, we see opportunity zones with an income of like income per capita of a hundred thousand dollars, you know? And those are opportunity zones because in the past they were they were basically poor areas that have significantly developed. So you do have already those areas which we like let's just call it that have already gentrified. You know, like those areas already are in a process where like they, they almost become established neighborhoods. So an investor that wants to go into an established neighborhood, of course, that investor, he's not really batting that much on the appreciation. He his investors say, okay, the areas are already pretty expensive, property values are very expensive. I'm not gonna get a lot of appreciation. I might get some, but you know, I'm less, but I'm probably not going to lose my money. On the other hand, you've got the investor that say, Hey, I want to be in Brooklyn where Brooklyn was 10 years before. 
So I want to be in the whole like growth markets. I want to be in markets where the income is very low, but all the other indicators tell me that this area is about to explode or is in the process of exploding. And by the way, there are 8,700 opportunity zones in the entire country. Which so one's your favorite? I, I, they're all my favorites. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Like it's, it's, it's where should I put my money? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, like for example, you can have amazing growth. There's so many markets where we see tremendous amount of growth, and that's where our data comes to play. You know, like, and what do we see growth? Yeah. So, like, like investors can come to our platform and just literally click three buttons, and we will tell them and rank them opportunity zones according to their investment profiles. So, yeah. you know, if, if I want to be an investor, say I want to be in the next Brooklyn, I want to be in areas where I have like low quality of life, but I see a really increasing quality of life trend scores where they see like there's a lot of gentrification where there's income job income growth where there's pop where there's job growth where uh there's young people coming into it because you know i want populations to grow so i can literally go into my platform everything i mentioned someone can go to my platform click in bottoms and we will basically rank all of those and we'll tell okay this is the neighborhood you should be on so and and it could be from neighborhoods in cincinnati to chattanooga tennessee you know, like it, it like literally like Chattanooga. I, I shopped a lot of Chattanooga. I didn't have much luck as uh, wholesaling properties because it's been getting beat up so bad by wholesalers. But Chattanooga is fire. I got, exactly. I got I have, a long-term vision. I think Chattanooga is going to be borderline second Nashville. Easy. No, it, 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 and like, I'm actually, I had no idea. Like the developer came to me because we have so many, like, like literally we track every metro area in the US, every zip code and every census track. So we're talking about, t- you know, like, the amount of queries that you can do. So by, by the way, we look at any individual area and we have over 88 different indicators. So really oh, yeah. it's like a, a tr- tremendous amount of data. And when I saw this developer telling, hey, I'm planning on doing this in Chattanooga, it's like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Like all the indicators were like off the roof. Moon pies, but, man. You never had a moon pie? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's, <laughs> it's like you look at all of that and it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much opportunity yeah. in so many different places that people, you know, like people just think about Brooklyn, LA, downtown, and like Seattle, Austin, but there's so much more if you want to just build growth. So that's, that's, you know, like, and that's what, when our data comes to play, you know, we can help you find where's the next Brooklyn, or if you just want to be in a Brooklyn, you can do that. Right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. If you want the next Brooklyn, I mean, you might just choose Brooklyn. Exactly. Um, <laughs> did they, they didn't fix the tunnels yet, did they? they, they were well, the L tunnel, well, they just, so they decided not to close the L train. So for the people that don't know, Williamsburg is a, like is an area that is highly gentrified in New York City, in Brooklyn, and they're about to close like the train station, the subway, which would have a huge impact on property values, and they decided not to. So Yeah, they were like, yeah, we're going to just basically close down half of Brooklyn. No, sorry, guys, you're going to have to go all the way over there to yeah. find your way across the, the water. Exactly. Um, I think it could have really spawned, you know, the Uber for uh, ferries and, and boat services, but, you know. Yeah, well, there is a ferry, but uh, it's not it's as efficient, right? Not that the New York subway is the most efficient one in the world. Let, let's talk a few things here. Two quick questions. One, do I got to be an accredited investor to use Investreal? So absolutely. It's a platform for investors on the marketplace where you got development project, you need to be an accredited investor. And one of the big reasons for that is the way the law works, it's really almost tailored for like investors to invest directly into projects, right? Just going to very 
back into the law and some details. From the time you realize your gain, you have 180 days to reinvest the gain to what is called like a qualified opportunity zone fund. Once again, it's just a partnership. It doesn't have to be like a fund the way people think of funds. And the fund has to invest into a project. So the traditional model of building real estate private equity funds where you just go out, you do a pitch deck, you sign subscription agreements, and, you know, like that usually takes six months. Unless you, and then you, you, you got to call all the capital at the same time, but investors have different days of realizing their gains. You know, like I sold my business. I don't want to wait for you to do all your fundraising. I need to invest now because I have the capital gains. I have the clock ticking against me. So it's really about investors going directly into projects and uh, it, the investors that have the ability to do that, they're usually accredited investors. Yeah. Yeah. And and do you guys uh, ask for investors to verify like how much money they have set aside or they plan to, you know, to have set aside? And, and is there a minimal amount to invest yeah. to participate on the platform? So the way we have in our platform is um, we do we do do verification with the investors from self-verification to we call them as well. Also, one of the reasons we try to verify them is ensure that, uh, you know, like developers want to keep their, like our platform is really a platform connecting developers and investors. And, 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 and it's a platform about data, right? So that's, it's, we really like developers are very concerned about not having all their projects out there to competitors and stuff like that, right? Yeah, so we need to do that verification. And we tell developers, you know, this is not a platform for a $200,000 project. The minimal project is like roughly a million dollars, like $4 million of total cost, which was like, you know, it's almost going to be like a million dollars of minimal ticket. So it, it's like we're really looking at investors that can deploy at least a million dollars directly in projects. Got it. So these are not, uh, hey, I just crossed the threshold last year. Yeah. <laughs> unless, yeah. unless you were early Uber or Lyft, I mean, you might have a handful more, uh, Exactly, 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 exactly. Well, let's shift a little bit. I want to talk about AI. You brought it up earlier. You you mentioned AI, then you mentioned machine learning. All right, first off, what is the role of artificial intelligence with the platform that you guys are building? No, absolutely. So there's like my engineers, they usually make fun of like, if, if it's the difference between AI and machine learning, right? Like if it's in a PowerPoint, it's AI. If the, if, if the developer is doing something, it's machine learning, right? <laughs> so um, like machine learning is basically a technology uh, of AI. Like for the investors, like people that are not very well acquainted with the technology, a lot of people, we just put out the word AI. We actually even avoid doing that as much as possible. But some people even call us and it's, we use like the majority of our machine learning technology is mostly on the forecasting. Uh, so using data to, you know, analyze forecasting tools where you have a lot of data and you try to build a model and you try to forecast and the system. But forecasting is, it's a really small part of what we do because it's not small. It's a big part of like, uh, let's just say all of the 88 different indicators, it's just few of those. The majority of what we do is really clean data, like clean a lot of different data sources, organize it and compare data, like compare apples to apples. So like one of the cool things of our system is, let's just say an area has an income of $70,000. Like what we do is, we say, okay, an income of $70,000 on a census track level means that this census track compared to all the other census track is on the 15% quantile, meaning people like it's basically richer than 50% of all the other opportunity, like uh, census tracks out there. And this is just anecdotal data, right? Don't take this data. But like, that's kind of what we do. Like we, we literally compare apples to apples, for example. So we like one of the coolest things in our system is looking, okay, this 
opportunity zone has a quality of life of 90. And like, what does a 90 mean? It means that it's better to live in this opportunity zone, all things equal than 90% of all the other opportunity zones in the country. And how do we do this? So we use like advanced analytics. So we look at, for example, crime data. We look at commuting score. We look at income data. We look at job scores. We look at uh, educational levels. And then we have to like, like we have to use algorithms to score those. And let's just say one factor is very low. You got to adjust those kind of things. So it's like, a, like let's just call it like a smart algorithm. It's not just like one, 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 one divided by five, you know, like you, you got to use those kind of technologies to try to score things or even crime data, like crime data. It's, it's very complicated because violent crime affects real estate in a different way to like, like pickpocketing data. So yeah. you've got to build algorithms to understand which type of crime impacts humans and real estate values on a different scale. Because like you, like the thing about gentrifying areas is a lot of them, like usually they have high crime levels, but they're still gentrifying in the middle of the process. So how do you establish that kind of value? So that's really the value we bring as a platform, you know, looking at the state and cleaning it and organizing and provide like clarity. So whenever someone looks into this, they can, they can say, okay, this is, this is reliable. What is the, and now just going back to AI. Okay. What is the short-term forecast? Okay. We believe this area is still going to grow or not. And how yeah. much does this growth represent compared to the other platforms out there? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're totally right on that. I mean, like, that's kind of like when you, when you said like different types of crime, it makes me think of like Fishtown versus Kensington in Philly. You know, I mean, like, you know, especially growing up, like when we were teenagers, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I was having a sleepover at a buddy's house, but we really went down to Philly for the night. You know, we knew not to go to, we weren't going to Kensington. And now you go through Fishtown and like you said, like you can still see remnants of years past, like issues in the neighborhood, but it's been coming up. You got craft brew, you got craft coffee, you know, artisan yeah. shops and that kind of thing. And those are good signs that, hey, people are shopping here. They're spending money here they want to be in that neighborhood and then if there's, and if there's that ownership component to it you know people live in the neighborhood not just work there during the day but they live there at night that can really make a difference yeah you know, absolutely absolutely by the way i love fishtown i've got some friends who live there uh, i stayed at airbnb great airbnb stories out there yeah it's like i became super friends with the guys it took me biking See, all the way through when I, immediately when i said fishtown yeah exactly i knew i knew i i i saw it you know like it, it was it's really nice yeah, really nice experience. It's come a long way. Let's uh, let's keep it rolling here. Um, I mean, we've already kind of covered a, a whole lot of things that really I think paint the picture of you know Investorial is. I, I think it's just it's just doing something that no one else is doing. So actually, I just want to ask that. Like, I mean, obviously you guys got lucky on the timing. I'll say it lucky. Not not nothing against you guys, but lucky on the timing. That absolutely, like, absolutely happened. But like, why is why do you think no one else is doing exactly what you're doing? Well, you know, like, I think first of all you got to look at the thing, the way companies operate. Like if you're a real estate private equity guy, what do you do? You make money by building funds. Yeah. So if there's a law that says you need to structure an opportunities on fund, that's what you will do. You know, if you're a crowdfunding platform, you will set up a crowdfunding opportunities on fund. If you are like, so I, I think for us, it was really, I think as a serial entrepreneur and the flexibility and looking into like, oh my gosh, you got like, this is amazing because the market does not exist. It's not like, like it, it just does not exist. So we have the flexibility because we were, had a good relationship with our investors say, Hey, this is a massive opportunity. It's like almost like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And we, as a startup, we got to have the flexibility to say, okay, even though we're making money, we're a fund, we can grow this, yep. you know, like look at Airbnb and the multiples of 
Ubers and Airbnb as marketplaces. You know, if we can make this work, the amount of wealth that can be generated and social good through that and, and the means, it's amazing. So I think we, we we just have the flexibility and a lot of companies just don't. Like you see, like everybody's everybody's doing opportunity zone what they were doing before with the opportunity zone angle. <laughs> I'm a so, real estate agent specializing in opportunity zone funds. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> we were like, that's why you see a lot of people, are, you know, like, as a real estate broker, you just think, oh, I like, I've got a listing inside an opportunity zone. But like a listing and opportunity zone means nothing. I've ever heard of it. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it needs to be developed a lot. You need to qualify as an investor. So the need is really to... That's that's very unique about us. We're not talking about funds. We're like like we're not talking about like we're just talking about projects that can qualify as an opportunity zone investment. Yeah. So uh, that's that's what's unique, and we have the flexibility to do that. Definitely, you know, like people will catch up. Um, uh, but we hope that we can uh, we can leverage our position and they're running really out of time. Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And we have strong data to not only that, like it's like you can build a marketplace, but you know, the other day, a real estate fund came to me with a project inside an opportunity zone, very excited about the project, raising a lot of money for it, like a lot of money. And he was like, Hey, can I look at your data? It's just, it was like, yeah, as a friend, like we sell it, but like, yeah, I'll let you look at the data, you know, like building a relationship and all the indicators sucked. It was like, like, like you know, like you have 8,700 opportunity zones up, like as we like, we have the ones that are like, just we, you and I, we think there's, there's like, why are there even opportunity zones? I should be, you have the growth markets and you have the ones like shouldn't have to even be selected because no money will actually go to there. And this is one of them, but the guy was just excited with the opportunity zones. And he was like, so I looked at the data is like, you know, you're going to lose your money. And it literally took me, let's just say a minute to tell someone that was raising millions of dollars that they're going to lose their data, that they're, they're actually going to lose their money. So anybody can build a marketplace, but we've been work, building our data for three years. And that's, that's the complicated part connecting an investor and developer is not hard but ensuring that people that you can bring transparency into the marketplace that's the hard part and we got a uh, we got a good position for that that's very cool because there are a lot of marketplaces like you said there are a lot of marketplaces actually out there that already connect investors with developers they already help investors pull together money to complete projects there's platforms that will help investors syndicate their own deals and pull together funds but they don't have the data component specific to the opportunity zones, which you guys uh, have. And that's yeah. pretty cool. Two questions here for you. One, and I'll do these back to back. Will you be using your own tool for your own funds and investing? And then two, um, you know, how does Investrial as a company make money? Where, where do you monetize this? Yeah. So as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, you need to focus. So on a personal level, I'm definitely going to use the data to invest my own money. But as a fund, we're not even focusing our fund. We're all focusing our attention into the marketplace. So how do we make money? Very simple. Investors are and developers, whoever want to just pay a full access to our data platform for everything. It's a subscription fee. It's an annual subscription. Anybody that wants to be a part of a marketplace, there's also a subscription fee. And whenever they sign a letter of intent, and the subscription fee is about data and everything. And whenever, so we also have some data in there. And whenever the 
investors and the developers connect, they basically hire our service to provide due diligence on the project, more in-depth diligence. So we're not operating as a broker dealer. We're operating as a marketplace is providing digital consultancy. Very cool. That's very cool. Well, I, I love it. I think what you guys are doing is, is unique. Uh, I'm excited to see you guys continue because you've only been at, you know, public offering this for what, a month now? Exactly. 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 <laughs> so we're in the process of like, if you're a developer out there, please reach out. We're in the process of adding like hopefully 20 development projects out there. We're ready to get like 10 contracts signed. We already got a lot of projects in our platform. But as I, a got, marketplace, I got some contacts for you. We'll, we'll have to get you connected with uh, Tyler Cobble out of Nashville. Absolutely. He was on the show, man, I don't know how many episodes ago, but he's a, he's a leading uh, commercial broker in, in Nashville. So Nashville's got some spots. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'll be in Nashville actually at the beginning of May, like uh, speaking in a conference. So yeah, we'll get you connected. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. We're going to shift gears here. I want to move into the segment that is my favorite. We're going to play a game called For the Future. Now, also, I would like to preface this. This is the very first time I have I've actually changed the questions a little bit. I, I changed one of the questions. I've been hesitant on changing my questions, but I, I, I had one. I just didn't like it, you know, and I changed it. So this is the guinea pig. If it, it doesn't work, that's okay. you know, sorry, everybody. But For the Future is a segment where I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Siobhan, are you ready to play? Absolutely. Let's do All it. Right. Question number one, what does Investrial look like one year from now? Well, like the most successful marketplace in the opportunity zone space. Easy. Boom. <laughs> easy. He said easy. Mark it down. Question number two, what will the housing market look like one year from now? The housing market? Well, I'll tell people you can subscribe to my data. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give you an answer, but like it's it's a very interesting. I'm not gonna give you this answer. You guys gotta subscribe to my data. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll get we'll get a little bit of an answer out of you. Is it going up or is it going down? Doesn't have to be a crash, but is it going a little bit up or a little bit down? Well. Okay, I'll, I'll go it's into my trading. data. I'll, I'll, I'll go into the data. So there are definitely a lot of markets that will go up. A lot of markets are going down. And I know this looks like a general, but like I just want to say one thing for you guys. Everybody looks at the crash in a way and just as a crash. And of course it was, but you got to look at it as a localized crash. There were markets in a way that kept on appreciating from the data perspective. Held on, on kept on appreciation. So the, like you can never, like, especially a country like, like the United States of America, this massive economy. There's yeah. no way anybody can read. Like, I, I think the time where we read, you know, just a case shiller and say, this is what's happening. The economy is gone. I think we got to look into individual, like the impact of like technology has enabled us to look into really deep dive into the real estate perspective and like in a very localized level. Right. And it's so hard. Like that's why I'm saying like, I can give you on a market to market basis, but if you look at property prices in the U S level, it's not going down. It's not going up much. Yeah. 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 I think Memphis was one of those that's been flat forever. They've always been on the cusp of it's going to be the next hot thing. And well, yeah, <laughs> it just keeps staying right there. Exactly. I'm sorry. I always rag on Memphis. I shouldn't do that. It's uh, it's, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Well, this is a, this is actually a very good question because, you know, I, I, I think I'll tell you on the opportunity zone space because that's where, where I'm in. It, it's like I'm seeing bad actors ready jumping into the industry. You know, it's, it's, an, it, it's a multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar industry that's just being born because Donald Trump signed the law, right? Which is, so with, you know, with big opportunity, 
like comes, you know, good individuals, like I believe myself and my organization and a lot of the other organizations I'm involved in, but a lot of people will take advantage on the program, will take advantage of investors. We're starting to see that, you know, like guys just raising crazy blind pool funds, which are not going to work, doing stupid shit. And, you know, I wish that would go away because they, they can bring a bad name to the industry, which is actually creating a social, I, I, a positive good from the investor's perspective and uh, the people that live in there. You know, I, I try to keep the segment purely to your answers, but I'm going to add on to that. You, you raise a really good point. If what makes the headlines is that a few fund managers took advantage of a few investors because of this program, that's what gets it nixed from ever resurfacing again or, you know, a second wave or an extension to the program. And you're, you're so right on that. You know, it's, it's really imperative that, you know, we keep things as clean as possible, not just for the sake of our industry, but for the general good. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Question number four, and this is the final of For the Future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances? Well, I I think what will eventually, and this is basically my mission, uh, the mission of our company is to really disrupt real estate for data. You know, just going back to where we started, when I was investing in real estate, I was like, I realized I was spending a lot of money for my private, you know, for my personal wealth into an illiquid asset class without using a lot of data as a decision-making process. Mm -hmm. If you compare it to any other investment you will make in your life, the amount of time and data you will make to support a decision will be tremendous, but real estate, there's not. Like people just look at few indicators because they think makes sense and they invest in money. I believe that date, exactly. Just look at cap rate, exactly. And, 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 you know, everybody says I've got a great reputation and like what happened in 2008, what, what happened to your reputation? You know, like, so uh, if you're so good, why didn't you see it coming? I'm not saying the data will see it coming. I am saying data will see it coming. Uh, sorry. I am saying data will, will see it coming. Yes. And Is that machine learning or artificial intelligence? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or advanced analytics or big data or robo trading, right? So yeah, like I, I like in the future, I I really hope that nobody will make a substantial make any investment decision without looking at the data supporting that. That's my that, because a lot of people think yeah. You know, the crash in OE was terrible. It was really terrible for like the people that spent their money on and, and gave it to a pension fund that lost their savings. Like that's ultimately a lot of people just look at rich people getting richer when yeah. I think about investors. But you know, ultimately people like like an investor, if you're very wealthy, you lose your money, you don't care. But if you yeah. if you're not very wealthy, if you lose your money, you're screwed, right? And uh, I'll tell you what I was doing. Exactly. I, I went I ended up I left a home builder. I was working at the 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 largest privately held home builder in the tri-state area on the East Coast. And I went to college, which was a terrible mistake, by the way. But that's a whole other story. But <laughs> you know, people like you said, people talk about the rich getting richer. Let me tell you, I was on a on a student on, on a student budget working two days a week at Panera Bread, and I found out that I could borrow over my student loan allowance by a certain percentage, I took the money and I shorted Chase Bank and I shorted them hard and I made some money on that. So, you know, everybody else could talk about what they wanted, but I paid my bills by shorting the big banks who were failing. So yeah. if the big banks want to fail again, good on them. Let's do it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully, you know, the time of people just using gut as a decision-making process it's, it, I, I, I hope that's gone. Yeah, very good. Well, let's move on to the last three here. This will be a, a part of the show where people get to learn a little bit more about you. First one is, what are you reading? So I just finished Blitzscale 
Killing by Reed Hoffman. And so it, it was really cool because the Blitzscaling is a story. A lot of it is Airbnb when Airbnb was Blitzscaling. So I, it's really cool when you see like, and then Airbnb opened up his offices and I was a guy in charge of like Sao Paulo. So it kind of felt my contribution to the book. I, I, I it, It's a great book. I gave it to my team. Say, you Are you quoted in the book? Uh, no, no, I'm not quoted. I'm just even there. Come on. Uh, no, no. And so I just finished reading it. And by the way, today I got the book from Brad Thomas, who basically he wrote the Intelligent Reed Investor. So that's the book I'm going to read now. Intelligent um, Reed Investor. Yeah, Brad Thomas. He's like uh, an editor at Forbes. So I, I had a meeting today, and he, he autographed the book for me. So that's going to be my new book. I'm writing that one down because that is the uh, the topic I'm interested in right now. So good stuff. I'm going to add that to the list. Question number two, who are you learning from? Well, like one of the, definitely I like the, the person that taught me a lot about just being a good individual, definitely my father, you know, like my father's a successful entrepreneur that came out of nothing and taught me also the value of personal development. He never gave me any money. All I had to do, like, even though like I had to do everything by myself and he, he taught me a lot. Uh, also one of my good mentors uh, is a person by the name of Glenn Lowenstein. who's also my board member at the, like, and also one of my business partners at InvestRio. So Glenn Lowenstein is the founder of Limestone Capital, uh, $6 billion real estate private equity group. It was sold at um, 2017 and 2017. And he's like one of the smartest person I ever met as well. And he's, I, I have the honor to have him as a mentor, as a, as a board member and as, as my business partner. Very cool. And the last of the last three here, what inspires you? Well, I think what inspires me is really like, it's really the chance of building something that can actually be meaningful in life, right? So as a as an entrepreneur, I'm not really I'm never really focused in at money. Like money was never part of any decision making in my life. It was really about the impact of what I can do in this world. So that's really what inspires me. And I, I love this the chance of working with this opportunity zone space because you know you get to there's a combination of a lot of great things. You know, it's the combination of being able to build a businesses which I love and the chance of being very successful in them. There's a combination of building a you know just generating social good through it. You know, I really believe that there will be economic development through the program and people, you know, their lives will actually see that. And I love the fact that, and finally, I love the fact that I can track that through data and not go into a discussion where you have like one side of the aisle saying it doesn't work. The other side of the aisle saying it works. Hey, hey guys, your discussion, it's, it's the data that matters. So I hope that in 10 years, like, there won't be a discussion. There will just purely be a data analysis. Very cool. This has been great. I appreciate your time and going as far as in on Opportunity Zones. I mean, we've had a few people bring it up on, you know, past shows. I actually learned about Opportunity Zones, you know, for the first time, you know, last year from one of our guests. And there's so much ambiguity out there. So, you know, it's good to hear someone go in on details. And I think what you guys are doing is really cool. There'll be very few times, I think we'll see where, 
it'll be such a specific opportunity in investing and someone will have just so happened to build the tool for it. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys have. I think it's so cool that that lines up. Uh, before we head out, uh, I want to give you the opportunity if people want to connect with you or learn more about Investrio or if they have questions about opportunity zones, where do they go and how do they do that? Yeah. So please go to investreal.com. So invest real, like as R-E-A-L.com. Go in there. You can sign up. Anybody, you can just connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I've got, uh, there's a very unique name. So Stefan Jimenez, there's there's no two of us. You, you won't have any hard time. You will have a hard time like finding, writing my name correctly, uh, <laughs> but you won't have a hard time uh, finding me on LinkedIn. You can just type in like invest real and CEO, you'll find me. Please connect with me. And finally, if anybody has any questions or anything, do not be afraid of reaching out to me directly. Like my email is my first name, Stefan, S-T-E-F-A-N at investreal.com. So just shoot me an email. I'd love to connect with you. Very awesome. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes as well. So it's really easy for people to get on the TechNest website, but really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Stefan. And, uh, you know, if uh, if you feel like sharing with me that next hot city, you know, you want to give me a little heads up, I'm not going to tell you no. I won't turn down that email. Okay, okay absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right, we'll catch you later soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list. You never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.